Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest today is Beverly Hurley, and our topic topic is Brief Parents USA. Beverly Hurley is the outgoing president of the National Board of Directors of Brief Parents USA. On June 1, 1990, Beverly's 22-year-old daughter, Debbie, died after a short and painful three-month battle with cancer. In 2000, Beverly became the Tampa Bay chapter leader of Brief Parents USA, and in 2006, the organization's national president. Beverly's life has become one of service and a belief in the healing aspects of continuing to work on grief and not let our children be forgotten. Welcome to the show, Beverly. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and thank you for inviting me. It's just great to have you on the show. Uh, um, I wanted to have you talk a little bit. Well, I want you to talk a lot about Bereaved Parents USA, but I'd also like to uh, have you tell our, uh, our audience a little bit about your daughter, Debbie. Well, she she was a wonderful child, like all of our children, and uh, it was a very sudden illness and happened very quickly. I had a lot of support at the hospital while she was going through her chemo, uh, and I tell you, I, I, I had a hard time accepting that they were trying to tell me that she was not going to survive. You just mm-hmm. never want to give up. You talk about how you, you want to promote hope, and I, I believe in that with all my heart, uh, to have hope, and I never gave up hope until at the very, very end, and uh, and and she really thought it was beatable as well and treatable. So, um, and you would think at a, a 22-year-old it would be treatable. Exactly, it's unbelievable exactly. to think of yeah. her being diagnosed and dying within three months. Yes, it was. It was in five different on five different organs. It was just wow. so fast and no primary site and very aggressive. It, it was a just amazing, absolutely, and and you know, as a brief parent, we all ask ourselves why. But you never can really get those answers normally, and uh, you know we'll find that answer maybe someday. But uh, now, did uh, Debbie have siblings? Yes, I have one surviving daughter, Kim, and uh, she is now 34. She was 16 when her sister died, so it was very, very difficult. And um, she has given me three beautiful grandchildren, wow. and uh, so I stay very close to her and very busy. And I know. It's you know, the death of her sister really has affected her and still does, you know, definitely. It's something you just have to live with and, and every day and every, you know, new thing that happens in your life, it's it's one of those firsts. And um, we just keep... And I know Heidi will want to uh, touch back on that as a brief sibling during the mm-hmm. show. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, we, re- we, re- we revisit lo- our losses throughout a lifetime. Yes, and we I mean, do. I'm sure every time she had a child for the whole family, it was bittersweet. It was wonderful. But then you wish that Debbie had been here to oh, see yes. her nieces and nephews. Yeah. Matter of fact, when my um, the first one was being born on the way to the hospital, I went by the cemetery, you know, mm-hmm. to to visit Debbie's grave because I just somehow, you know, you want to bring them apart, you know, bring them into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the second little girl uh, was able to have. Um, Deborah as her middle name, so that would happen oh, about nice. that, too. <laughs> so that continues the bond. Yes, uh, it does. The and they all know Aunt Debbie, that's for sure. So, 
Well, tell me now, did you feel like you got a lot of support after she died? Tell me how you, uh, about that. Well, yes, I did. You know, I think uh, it was two weeks afterwards. Well, actually, the two days after my daughter died, my friend came who had a, a four-year-old son die uh, a couple years previously, and she came to tell me that there was this group, uh, support group for parents, and when I was ready to go, she would go with me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, you know, I wasn't really ready to hear about that. And uh, But within two weeks after that, I needed to. I, I was going crazy. I thought, I can't do this alone. And especially because I had so much support helping me, you know, before cope with her illness, all of a sudden I felt like I was just dropped. You know, now, did the, did the hospital follow through a lot on it or... Afterwards, no. Not. Uh, I was out of town actually, and they really didn't have the grief support. They had the the cancer support, you know, uh, but not the grief support afterwards. I, I had a contact person that was kind of my my buddy up there, and we kept in contact. But you know, for the distance, it wasn't wasn't enough, you know. So I did go to my first uh, bereaved parents meeting, um, you know, support meeting for bereaved parents. And that, now, what group was that? That was uh, the Compassionate Friends at uh-huh. the time. They were here in Tampa. Well, what a what a smart friend you had. I, oh, I exactly. love that because for her to come uh, and to you and say when you're ready, not say you know there's a meeting. Yeah, you have to go to this. You know, you yeah. really got to go to this meeting. Yeah. But to to come to you in such a quiet way and a very, yeah. very and she warm. brought a box of Kleenex when she came to visit. So <laughs> I always say that was the best thing that she gave me permission to cry, and I thought right. that was. Excellent. Now, one thing that I think is really interesting about it also is that, you know, my son uh, was killed in an automobile accident, Heidi's brother, in an automobile accident, and immediately, you know, he was dead on arrival. Mm. And uh, so, so you sorry. don't, and, her, and uh, thank you, and, and his cousin also. But mm-hmm. the point uh, I wanted to make about it was we got no support after. He died, you know, he died in another city, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway. At the time, you got no support. But it's interesting because we always assume that people whose kids have cancer or whatever did get support because, you know, the hospital followed through, da-da-da. But you just made a good point. A lot of people aren't in the same town to get treatment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and that's a, a very interesting point. We're talking a little bit about the fact that we just assume that we people whose kids were killed uh, or died immediately um, we assume that people who've had children die of cancer have had all these wonderful services going out with people coming to the house and taking care of them. <laughs> That's my fantasy world there, really. <laughs> well, but, I think and often services end as soon as somebody dies. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I think they do. And there's nothing for siblings, right? Oh, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And and I think a sibling, that when they're teenagers, they, they really don't want to uh, be around adults. They'd rather be with their own friends, and that was the case with my daughter. She mm-hmm. says, I talk. I talk to my friends, but, you know, you don't know if they're getting the the right direction or support that they need. And, and, and uh, that's such a good point, that your daughter was reassuring you. Your daughter, Kim, was reassuring you that she was talking, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't to you. It was to her friends because, yes. as you know, parents' biggest fear is that kids aren't talking about it and that, that they're not okay. They just want to know if their teens are still okay after a loss. Oh, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. and everybody warned me, of course, about being overprotective with her, and mm-hmm. she was afraid of that. I mean, there's just so many things that go on, and, 
and it's very difficult, very difficult to come to an understanding between the two of you. And, and you know, the stress is we all grieve differently, even though it's the uh, same person. It's such a different relationship that we've mm-hmm. lost. Absolutely. So then your friend took you after how long before two you Two weeks. To, two two weeks. weeks you went to Compassionate Friends. Tell us how you felt at your first uh, group meeting. Well, like we usually tell our people in our meetings, don't be offended by laughter in this room before the meeting starts because some some people are further down the road in their grief, and we've built a bond. And I felt very uncomfortable because there was laughter. And I thought, these people can't be bereaved parents, <laughs> you know. And uh, so, but the meeting went well. Uh, I was too emotional to, to speak. Um, my friend spoke for me and introduced me and my daughter. And... Uh, but I hung on to every word that everyone said. They gave me such hope, and I wanted to laugh again. I wanted to, to be like them. And uh, I couldn't wait for the next meeting. When it was over, I was like, this is what I need. I need these people. I need these meetings. And it, it was a lifesaver. So yeah, you, I, love, I love what you said about the laughter. I haven't heard that before. That makes so much sense that you had to be re- – people reassured you that – don't be offended by the fact that people will be laughing oh, at the beginning. Yeah, meeting. we repeat that so often in our in our meetings, every meeting, and also at our candlelight, uh, because there are new people there and they need to understand that mm-hmm. that they will also laugh again. And uh, you know, and it doesn't mean you forget your child or that you know you're you're totally you know over your uh, uh, healed by then. It's just you know moments that you get to enjoy again. Now, um, you know, you've been involved in this in 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been involved for 25 years. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, um, you I know but people that. say, you know, uh, you know, what's your problem? You're still involved. It really you gets stuck? to be a Are you, are you stuck in your grief? Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. Well, this is one thing when I go to our meetings and I inter- we do our introduction and I tell them um, that I'm here to give back you know, and mm-hmm. to keep this organization going so we can help the newly bereaved, um, just like it was there for me when I first came. And I explained that to them. And, I, and then I asked that I hope that someday you will want to give back and be a part of our organization and the administrative part of it as well. And, uh, yeah, we have, we have people that are 25 and 30 years in our group, mm-hmm. and they're wonderful mentors. Yeah. I love that idea, the mentor. You know, um, I'm involved in this uh, new positive psychology movement that's going on right now, and one of the things that they have shown through research is that the happiest people who go through trauma are the ones that eventually start giving back. Oh, wonderful. That's so good I, to know. I thought that fit right into I like that. And I, I also said at the conference, the conference this, that we just went to last week, when people said, wow, 20, you've been bereaved 25 years and you're here, and I said, yes, and I... One of the reasons I'm here is because I want to hold the hope for you, for everyone here. The hope that someday you will not be in the kind of pain you're in right now. That's so wonderful. Think, yeah. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about BP Kids USA. How many chapters have you got? And I know you had the gathering. And yes. We were just talking about Mitch Carmody, how hot he yeah. and I <laughs> him at, at yeah. the National Conference of Compassionate Friends and how he's at your conference. Wonderful guy. Yes, he is. He's, he's, everybody loves him. Absolutely love them. His workshops are always just packed full. And there's a lot of cross-pollination between Compassionate Friends and Bereaved Parents USA. I know people move back and forth. It's great. Definitely. We we are so much smaller and and will always be. Uh, we are all volunteers. Uh, we have so no you don't have an executive at. director at all. No. We, and we so you no kind of really run the show for two years, right? Yeah, and it's very time consuming. I mean, doing mm-hmm. it more than two years is real. As much as I would love it, and as much as you know, I loved being president. 
I do have family commitments. <laughs> and, and, you know, it does take a lot. So I, I really felt most, most presidents are one year, two years, um, maybe a third year for a couple people. But uh, I really felt it was time for my leadership transition. And, uh, and, I, and I still believe I did the right thing so far. We're still kind of doing our conversion, you know, with Shirley. Mm-hmm. And uh, now Shirley has been a, a president before, so she's oh. just kind of trying to update herself with what's happened in the last several years since she was not on the board. And, um, but we do have uh, 60 chapters right now, and we have uh, 20 satellites, which means like here in Tampa, we are the Tampa Bay chapter, but we also have two uh, other areas where we meet uh, out in Plant City, which is kind of a distance for some people. It's still in Hillsborough County. And we also have a daytime group. So those are called uh, like a satellite chapter. Mm-hmm. So we have more than one one meeting in in Tampa a month, and so altogether we are having eighty um, meetings, you know, monthly uh, throughout the U.S. And uh, we have a chapter development person, so we're always looking to have more. And and I think our big um, drive right now is leadership training. Uh, we we realize we need to do a little bit more of that for our people, and and I think we're in a little better position now to do it because we are. Uh, a relatively new organization. We're, uh, we started in 95, so it's still, you know, a lot of things we're, we're trying to get organized and, and, uh, do a little bit better every time, as, as everybody does. So people and, can go to your website. Yes, um, definitely. BereavedParentsUSA.org. And find our website. Oh, it is lovely. Mm-hmm. And we have information about the 2009 gathering out there already. Which is going to be in Elmhurst, Queens. Heidi, does that sound familiar? <laughs> Heidi was, uh, we lived in Elmhurst, Queens until Heidi oh. was three. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. We're, we're very excited about this and, and our, uh. Right by New York City. Yes. By LaGuardia Airport, so it'll yes. be easier for you to get into. Easily. Easily how, to get into. How large in. are your gatherings? Uh, we have had up to 450, would probably be our largest. Uh, our attendance was down a little bit this year. Uh, we went back to St. Louis for the third time, and I don't know if that kind of hindered people wanting to, you know, repeat the trip or whether it was the uh, economy, you know, mm-hmm. gas prices. Right. I, I'm sure TCF had the same experience, maybe not. Um, yeah, they it, had quite a group. They had 1,500 yeah, They group. always have a huge um, group. But whether Nashville. it was less, I mean, Nashville's beautiful anyway. I mm-hmm. mean, that's wonderful. So, yeah. you know, there's always things that, that, you know, present challenges to us. And, now, now uh, do you know who the speakers, the keynotes will be for 2009 yet? No, we don't. We're uh-huh. still working on that. Um, and Diana, who are the 2008 keynotes? Let me. Oh goodness! You're asking me a question that's going to screw Well, of course we have Mitch. We had oh, Alan yeah. Peterson. We yeah. had. Oh, we a, love Alan. He's yes. He's, He's a wonderful, wonderful person. person. Yes, we had Stephanie. I think it's Froge. Froge mm-hmm. uh, from Taps. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, she was wonderful. We had Joy Johnson. Oh, oh I love yes, Joy. Yes, we love Joy. Yeah. Centering Corp. Yes. Seminary Corp did our bookstore this year, so it was wonderful, and she did a great, great, great. job. Well, yeah. listen, um, as you, I'm wonder, wondering if your husband David is uh, online. David, are you there? Nope, we don't have him yet. I'm We're, here. Oh, you are there. Hi, yeah. David. Hi, David. Hello. David. Hi, David. <laughs> <laughs> David Hurley is on the line, Beverly's husband, and this is very exciting to have you on. We love having uh, couples on. And David, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. We're gonna go to break in a few minutes. And when we come back, um, if you could stay on, that would be great. 
But before we go to break, uh, we were talking to Beverly about Bereaved Parents USA, and we were also talking about your wonderful daughter, Debbie. And I wondered, you didn't go with her to the first meeting. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. <clears throat> she went I'm, off to a meeting, but you didn't go, right? But now you are involved. I'm involved uh, quite a bit. I've been the national treasurer. I'm in my sixth year as national treasurer. Oh, my wow. God. <clears throat> and, uh, in his last year. <laughs> in my last year. <laughs> and so you're very involved in, in Compassionate Friends. How long did it take you? Heidi and I are very interested about this because we're interested in how men grieve versus women. And also how do you get a, a man involved yes. in the organization? Because a lot of times it seems like men are hesitant to go well, to meetings. I think for uh, someone to, to be involved, you have to have involved people. Mm-hmm. And each individual is going to have a different thing that pulls them in. And I, one of the hard things for men, we're all fixers. You know, if that's broken, right. give me a hammer and a screwdriver, I can fix that sucker, and it'll be good. It'll, it's over with. <laughs> and uh, this is something we can't fix, so we, rather than admit we can't fix it, we'll avoid it. And uh, that's hard to get past that. It's hard for men to do that. We've uh, Beverly and I had times where. Didn't know. I thought maybe I'd done something wrong, and because she was in a mood or something, and I we finally came to the thing, conclusion that I had to ask: Did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong, or not do something, not say something? And it was my responsibility to ask. It was her responsibility to be honest when she answered. It, you know, hey, I just need some time right now because things are going on in, in her. I, I like that a lot, and I really threw a loop to you. I realized <clears throat> after break that you are a step-parent and probably almost feel like you know Debbie but did not know her, right? That's correct. You know, I, I love that you're a step-parent and so supportive. It's absolutely fantastic. I know we have a lot of audience out there who are in the same kind of situation being a step-parent. I wondered, do you have any advice or thoughts about how you deal with that, being a step-parent? How long had Debbie been uh, gone before you uh, uh, married, Shirley? Uh, Beverly. What am I doing, Shirley? Beverly, (laughs) Before you married Beverly, how long had been? We were married in 95, and uh, Debbie died in uh, 90. Uh Did you uh, know her? Did you ever meet her? I did not. Uh Uh, Of course you know her now. You see her pictures, hear her stories. Actually, uh, I to try to find out who she was. I watched all the videos that I could of her, and uh, you know the eight millimeter tapes from uh, when she was little, and uh, wow. looked through the pictures, talked to her aunts and uncles. It was it was very tough for Beverly to do, but I wanted to get a sense of who she was and what their relationship was, and uh, that was part of also part of getting to know my wife at that point, and uh, I think that's. To, for me to be accepted into that, I needed to know that. And then uh, since that time, I've lost two brothers. Oh, uh, sorry about So we've had, uh, so now I'm, uh, I guess, a legitimate member. I don't know if that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a group no one wants to pay the uh, membership dues on. Exactly. Uh, you know, so, the other okay. thing is it's, it's wonderful to know that there are these organizations out there for us. Mm-hmm. If if we you know when we do have further bereavement, there's some place to go. It's always there. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day because I'm the youngest, and I have three siblings. And I thought, gee, you know, there's a place where I can go if I need to. Again, you know, I go there to support after 25 years with Scott. But for really my own raw grief, it's there. Well, I was surprised. Uh, I've done uh, workshops for 
step parents at uh, some of the gatherings, and I've just I've been amazed that some of the people come up later and said, "Gee, I'm really glad you said that." So really, <laughs> but uh, I think part of it is is uh, looking inward to try to find out what you can do to serve someone else. I look at it as service to my wife to try to help her, and uh, that's uh, so. So, David, for the st- all of the step parents out there that are listening. What advice would you give them about how they can help their spouse through the loss of their child? Well, you need, they need to be attentive. And I think part of uh, there might be times if you don't get the attention you might like, especially early on, uh, because there's a distraction. There's something that, that's going to keep distracting them. And no matter how long it goes, there will be a moment, there will be a song, there will be a scent, there will be something that reminds them, and for a moment or for a period of time, that's going to distract them to uh, to that. That's that's just part of it. And we all have distractions, but this is something that's going to to be there forever, and that's something we can help with. Uh, one of the things that I did for uh, Beverly a long time ago, she was working in uh, it was on the Debbie's the anniversary of Debbie's death, and she was going to have to work late. So I went by a store, picked up some flowers, and took it out to the grave, and then. Uh, Later that day, she was she was really starting to get emotional. I'm not going to be able to get out there today. And so that's all right. I took care of it. Mm, and, that's uh, right. So I tell people, there's not a lot of big things you can do, but you pay attention for the little things. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Well, uh, are there, um, do you see other step uh, parents, women and men, going to the gatherings or going to uh, brief parents? There's quite a few of them there. Uh, had a few in the... Uh, well, they weren't all step parents that came to the workshop in uh, St. Louis this year. So it was uh, at least there was one mother that wanted to know how to uh, get to her husband, who was a stepfather. So it was a little uh, she was looking for insight. But uh, what did you suggest to her? Well, I think it's open communication. It's, it has to be, and that's one of the problems. Uh, if we're on two different wavelengths, it's hard to communicate. When this is a painful thing for. The parent, this lady was several years into her grief, five or six years as I recall. And uh, the stepfather was just, uh, seemed to have less interest than she thought he should. And that's uh, something she needed to be open with and something he needed to be open to. So I, it's hard. Every couple, every relationship is going to have its own dynamics. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. when you throw this into the middle of it, it's it's going to really create... Uh, issues. It's something you need to be aware of going in. And yeah, be aware of it. And then I love the idea if a step parent's looking for some way to really get more involved or whatever. I love the idea, don't you, Heidi, of looking at the movies, talking to family. It, and as you said, David, it can be hard for the. Uh, it sounds like it was hard for Beverly to have you talking to her siblings and things or whatever, whoever you talk to, to but find she didn't out. Mind me talking to them. <laughs> but she didn't want to watch the movie. She wouldn't watch the videos. Videos. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. That's difficult for me, but I love the fact that um, you were willing to do it. Um, Heidi, you want to ask David anything about uh, the sibling, uh, how Kim's doing, how he deals with it with her? Oh, about his own siblings? Yeah. About Kim, you know, who's... Uh, Debbie's sister. Debbie's sister. Bet, oh, uh, you, you mean, why don't you ask Mom, you mean how okay. she's doing? Yeah, uh, how their relationship is. How does a step-parent work with the the... Surviving, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the surviving sibling. Have you have you been sensitive to that, David? I assume you have. Uh, yes, matter of fact, I think I personally think Kim and I have about as good a relationship as we could have. 
Um, mm-hmm. Of course, she had just lost a sister or lost a sister when I met her. And uh, right. so there was difficulties, and I think there's still difficulties. And sometimes I recognize them before Beverly does because I think I'm a little more remote as far as being able to be an observer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would never introduce Kim as a stepdaughter. I introduced her as a daughter. That's the way I love her. Uh, wow, that's nice. That, uh, in fact, one of the things I wrote at the insistence of one of the guys at BP, because I've always said I don't have any steps in my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. So oh, I, that's right. I don't have any steps in my heart. <laughs> so that's wonderful. I wrote an article for that about that, and uh, so we we do have a good relationship. You uh, should shoot us off that article, and we'll yeah. put it on our uh, website. Mm-hmm. So she, uh, yeah, but, uh, I remember one right after we were married, uh, Beverly and I went out for New Year's Eve, and we got back and had a message from Kim. And they'd been, she'd been out for New Year's Eve and said, gee, wish we could have gotten together. And you guys had plans. We had plans. And so then it stopped and she, she said, uh, well, thanks, Mom. And then there was a big pause. And then she said, Dad. And then she said, uh, well, I got to go now. I'm getting emotional. I said, well, <laughs> well it's too late for me. <laughs> you that's but, you know, I think this is kind of interesting to me because I was thinking one of the things that we do like to bring into our lives after we've had a profound loss is kind of new things. And here she's got a um, stepdad or dad, whatever you want to call it, a, a coming in mm-hmm. who's connecting with her. What a, a really lovely thing. Well, I think that we've got uh, Shirley Ottman on. Is that right, Shirley? No, yes, not yet. Mm-hmm. Shirley? Yes, I'm here. Oh, you are there. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Shirley. Thank you. So that's wonderful. Shirley Ottman is the incoming president of Brief Parents USA. So, Beverly, you're the outgoing. What advice have you given, Shirley? (laughs) I've just been trying to be there with her and bring her up to date on things. Yeah, uh, she she's very experienced. She's she has she's a great lady, and uh, she's doing a wonderful job. Now, Shirley, can you tell us a little bit about your loss? Mm-hmm. Yes, my daughter died in 1986 in a highway accident when a flatbed trailer uh, became unhitched from the cab and crossed uh, lanes of traffic and the median median and um, struck her in the driver's compartment. She was dead at the scene. And now, uh, What was her name? Her name was Therese, um, but we called her Terry and sometimes Tess, uh-huh. depending on And how she, old was Tess? She was 25. Yeah. Well, she so was sorry married. To hear about uh-huh. that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So you've been doing quite the uh, work for In Memory of Tess, haven't you? Uh, oh, yeah. Going out as uh, president and coming back in again. Well, it was kind of a fluke. Um, uh, in the beginning of bereaved parents, we elected our board members for one year. And I served two years and said, you know, it's up to other people. And then uh, a couple of years later, uh, through another fluke, I was, I allowed my name to be in nomination <laughs> and then served a three-year term. So I had a total of five and the, wow. and the board members are limited to six. This year, unfortunately, one of our board members contracted uh, cancer and oh. was, had to resign with one year left to serve. Mm-hmm. So the board was casting about for somebody to fill in for one year. Uh-huh. And there I was with five years. I could serve another. 
and somehow or other, that's what happened. <laughs> wow, Crystal, that, that's an amazing service but that I'm you're doing. I'm happy to help out. Now, mm-hmm. when did when did you first get into? Um, well, did you start out with the Compassionate Friends? Yes, or some I other did. Or? My husband's uh, sister is a clinical psychologist, and of course, they came when they heard the news about my daughter, and um, uh, she recommended compassionate friends, but to tell the truth, I was one of these people not able to pull myself together uh, quickly, and it was, um, she died in May, and it was September before I drove into Dallas with my husband to attend a meeting, Mm -hmm. and I only went, I think, uh, like most of us do, out of desperation. We know we need help and um, try to seek it. And it was there that I found hope that other people who in similar circumstances somehow went on living. So I, um, on the way home, and that was the unfortunate thing. We had to pass over the place where she had died on the highway. It's the only way into Dallas from my city. And I said to my husband, we've got to get a chapter here in Denton because I can't drive over this spot every month. And I didn't for a long time. Um, I founded the chapter in Denton and in uh, 1987, and uh, it's, it's been um, it's been a very gratifying experience for me to bring some meaning from my daughter's death. Now, and tell me, Shirley, did your how was your husband with it? Did he was he equally as supported by it and wanting to do this, or did he do it for you, or? Because we were talking to David a little bit about how it can be really difficult for men because they're fixers and doers. And That's right. You know. My husband was an extraordinarily sensitive man. Uh, he, he also was my daughter's stepfather, but she had lived in our home for 10 years. So he was actually her father. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, uh, he, he gave me all the space and time I needed. He made no demands. But... Um, was there to to listen if I had to talk or to just hold me when when I couldn't speak. Uh, he was just wonderful, and and he was and he did, was supported. Did he continue with to go to compassionate friends as often oh, yes. as you did, or yes, he went with me every time, mm-hmm. every time. Um, he did not go to the first conference I attended. He had business that he had. He just was unable to go. So I went by myself in uh, to Columbus, Ohio. I think that must have been 1988, and um, uh, that was an overwhelming experience. But I went primarily to get the leadership training uh, by that time, and um, it had been uh, two years since my daughter's death, and I wanted to to be able to help my chapter members better than I thought I was able to without some leadership training. So that's all the um, workshops I took that year. Mm-hmm. Amazing with that, that two years. That's a, a very rough, a difficult time, I think, those first couple of years. Oh, it is. So uh, you were doing this. And I think we're all different. For some people, actually doing can be really important, even founding a group or whatever. For some people, that's not so good. They can't can't do it at that level. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that for our audience now, I think you're hearing um, 
uh, some pretty wonderful, remarkable stories of people who have really moved out there and given. My husband and I, um, it was uh, his, our son, and it's interesting to hear how supportive the step-parents can be because I think uh, when it's, you, you know, your same child, uh, it can be really rough because you're, I, I know the step-parenting, I think David brought that up too, but it can be rough when you are up and down and, you know, flying all over the place. It's, a, <laughs> right. it's, it's an incredible journey. You can go to the Brief Parents USA website just right under that. They've got wonderful information about chapters, how you can get in touch with them, and all sorts of good information. Well, when we went to break, um, I was uh, asking if people could think about advice that they might have for those bereaved folks out there. And let's try to think of it in terms of fairly newly bereaved, because I know we've got some real newly bereaved people that could benefit from some thoughts. So I thought we'd start with the guy, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think the biggest thing that I see with uh, the, the experience I've seen around a lot of people is they try to go too fast right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get, become human doings instead of human beings. And they, they try to mask their pain by... Uh, doing things to keep them from thinking of it. And uh, although I think a part, part of that's probably good to the extent that some people I see doing it, they, they just completely shut down their emotional part and, uh, and I see it come out later when they have a real problem. Uh-huh. And you said they become human what? Human doings. doings. Oh, doings. <laughs> yeah, just, they they yeah. get all involved in projects and things, and I've seen it in more than one person where they just get uh, so frantic and I understand why they do that. I, it's not a criticism. It's just that something that uh, you need to try to avoid and try to uh, address the grief because I've seen people that try to go around it or jump over it, but sooner or later they have to go through it whether they like it or not. Yeah, thank you. That, that's a wonderful um, piece of advice and thought. And how about you, Beverly? What advice would you have out there? Well, yeah, I agree. I think his advice was totally um, on target. I, I also think you have to educate yourself about grief. Uh, so when things do happen, you have a little better understanding of maybe why you have the anger or you have the depression or you can't sleep. All these things, I think, you know, there, there are clinical answers to some of these, and I think you, you need to know that. One, I think the, the big um, fault that... Uh, parents find out is I can't remember anything mm-hmm. but I keep telling them there is a clinical reason you know if your right side of your brain is overwhelmed your left side your cognitive is not working well but you know it will get better but I also think that lowering expectations of oneself uh, is is important too you're not going to be the same person you are going to be different uh, taking baby steps and a day at a time is is the best thing that you can do and definitely find support that's great. Uh, looking for support is a wonderful thing. If you like groups, uh, Compassionate Friends, uh, Brief Parents USA, uh, there are groups in the hospitals. There are other oh, groups yes. you can find. There are many, many groups out there now. Yes, we have several here in Tampa that we, you know, channel people to if they need more. Because after I went to my first meeting, um, I knew waiting a whole month to get back with those people wasn't enough. I had to be with somebody else again, and I started going to another group as well, which meant like twice a month, I believe. So I was getting my so-called support fix, you know, to get me through. Um, But then I was able to drop away from the other one, you know, support group, and uh, stay with this support group. Now, one thing about uh, these groups (coughs) is that they go on. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> you can yes. come after years, and they're always out there for you if you exactly. want to come back, which mm-hmm. is uh, quite amazing. Yes. Um, how about Shirley? Do you have uh, uh, thoughts about this? Well, uh, I find, uh, at least in my experience, that the death of my daughter was such a life-altering experience that support groups really provided me with a safe haven where it didn't matter if I cried or laughed, uh, I listened to other stories, I could tell my own, or, or I could be silent. Everything was accepted, and that was such a healing bomb for me, and I think it might be for others, too. And then um, at our support group, uh, we have loving listeners who are available to bereaved parents uh, who need to talk to somebody between meetings, and that's always uh, that's How, always how would you find that? Is it on your Internet site or... Well, I think each chapter has loving listeners that are listed in their newsletter that goes out to their members. Oh, great. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, about time to close the show. Is uh, <clears throat> Do people have one quick ritual they like? Shirley, do you have any quick ritual that you do that you like? Uh, personal or with the group? Uh, either way. Well, my... Um, with our group, we have a candle lighting ceremony that corresponds uh, with yours uh, in the lights around the world at the uh, second Sunday of every December. Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful ritual mention. I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about David? You took flowers to the grave. I, I love that. And how about you, Beverly? Do you have one? Uh, personally, no. I, I, you do it pretty privately, lighting a candle, uh, you know, at Christmas time, putting up her stocking where really nobody else knows where it's at. It's kind of at the back of the Christmas tree, but I know it's there, and it makes me feel good. Um, so I'm a pretty private person when it comes to rituals. You know, mm-hmm. if I do something, uh, releasing balloons, I mean, all those things are, are so good to do and, and healing. I, I think, uh, it, I think you, privately. Yeah, I think you brought up a point, not all of our rituals are public rituals are little things that we do. So uh, someone was telling us about wearing her daughter's uh, shoes on her birthday. Very private things. Yes. So it's time to close our show today, and I want to thank Beverly and David Hurley, and I want to thank Shirley Ottman for being on the show from Three Parents USA. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.